I want to start this series off kind of uh, this way this morning, kind of just an introduction to you, but I want to, I want to ask you a question. And I want you, if you had to choose or if you had to guess, what do you think is God's greatest gift to mankind? Now, for all of you theologians in the room, okay, let me just take two things off the table right now, okay? Yes, I'm going to give you Jesus. This is kind of like Vanna White on, uh, what is it, Price, uh, the, the Wheel of Fortune, okay? The vowels are covered, okay? Jesus and salvation, take those off the table, okay? We all agree on that, okay? But outside of that, what would you think is God's greatest gift to us, to mankind? What do you, would you think it was? In, it's, it's, say that again? Holy Spirit, great gift. Somebody else. Go ahead. It's audience participation. You can participate if you want. Uh, you don't feel, don't, I heard somebody say salvation. Yes, absolutely. We got that. Listen, how about this? How about life, life itself? I think life is something, a great gift that God's given us. Uh, the Bible says that he gave all of us life. In fact, our life was breathed into us by him. In fact, let me show you in Scripture, John, uh, Genesis chapter 2, Verse 7, it says this, Then the Lord God formed man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living being. He literally breathed life into you. I think that's an amazing gift. How many of y'all are thankful for life? I know even with our sniffles and the things that we're dealing with today, I'm thankful that I had the breath of life in me when I woke up this morning. So some might say, man, I, I think the greatest gift that God's given us is life itself. Others might argue, they might say, listen, maybe the greatest gift is each other. You know, when you think about it, I mean, the season that we just came out of, it's, it's all about celebrating your loved ones and your spouse and being together. And, and, you know, God wants us to be together. And again, in verse 18 of the same chapter, it says this. It says, now the Lord God said, it is not good. It's not beneficial for man to live alone. Again, ladies, this is a great place to say amen. Y'all know how men are when we get by ourselves. It's just ugly, it's dirty, and it stinks. Everybody say, it's true, it really is. And he says, I will make him a helper, one who, I love this in the Amplified Version, it says, one who balances him out, a counterpart who is suitable and complementary for him. Let me tell you, I am so thankful for a, a, a wife that balances out Josh Watts. And she's not here today. She's under the weather herself. But I think maybe one of our greatest gifts is each other. You know, uh, when you think of all the, the, the romance novels and the movies that we, especially this last season, you know, I don't know what Hallmark's doing now because their season's kind of over, but they write 700 movies with the same plot about the same two people, you know, uh, it, that's, that's what it is, right? But, but how many on man, guys, we'll put up with a little bit of that if it leads towards some romance. Come on, somebody. We, we will. But I think maybe that's one of the greatest gifts. I don't know. But then I think about maybe this. Maybe this is the greatest gift. Maybe it's literally the gift of nature or the universe that we live in. Have you ever stopped to really contemplate where you live in the world that you live in? We live on a, a fairly small planet when you consider the size of the universe. Yet, we still, there's depths of the ocean that we still have not explored. There's highs. I've had the privilege of seeing with my own eyes Mount Everest, and it's massive. It's, it's huge, and you can't even put it into perspective. You take a picture of it, and it's like underwhelming. You're like, oh, that doesn't do it justice. But when you think about the massive size of the planet that we live in, yet it's so small. 
And even in this planet, there's over 7 billion of you and I. Did you realize? 7 billion. Think about how many animals, how many bugs, how many insects more there are. It's an incredible universe that we live in. Psalms 19.1, it says this. It says, the heavens declare the glory of God and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. And so when you think of the earth, it's, man, just a speck of dust in this great universe. And in fact, to put it in perspective, when you look at the earth, it, we, you could actually fit, get this, I was studying this out. I kind of geek out on this stuff a little bit. So you could, you could literally fit 1.3 million earths inside of our sun. Can you, I'm, that just doesn't even make sense to me. 1.3 million of the world that we live on inside our sun, yet... Our sun is still small in comparison to other stars that are out there. The biggest star that's known to man right now that we've discovered is, is a star that's, uh, the name of it is is V.Y. Canis Majoris. Uh, anybody ever study this at all? Again, I'm a little bit of a, a geek when it comes to this. V.Y., the earth around the circumference is 25,000 miles around the circumference of the earth. V.Y. Majoris, Canis Majoris, is 5.5 billion miles around. Now, again, it's really hard to put that into perspective. When you start talking millions and billions, it just, we, we lose comprehension of what that really is. So to try to help you out just a little bit, let me, let me do this. It's kind of study has shown that if you got in a car and could travel around the circumference of the earth, around the equator, no Austin traffic, no stop signs, and just at 100 miles an hour, travel in that car around the earth, assume you got a gas tank that you never have to stop, it would take you approximately 10 and a half days uh, going 100 miles an hour in that vehicle to go around the circumference of the earth. Pretty good. To put this in perspective, the size of this star, to go around... Canis Majoris, the same car, the same trip, it would take you over 9,350 years doing the same trip. Can you believe that? It's just unbelievable the size and the scale of the universe that God's created. Maybe that's possibly the greatest gift that he's given us. You know, see, all these things are gifts, but listen to me. I believe that they pale in comparison to God's most important gift. The most important gift, and in the time remaining, what I want to do is I want to challenge you, and I want to make a case for this, that God's greatest gift to us is our ability to choose. God's greatest gift to you and I are, is our ability to choose. He gave us a gift after he created us, after he created the heavens, after he created the earth, and he created mankind and placed everybody in it, he gave us this gift. In fact, in Genesis 2.9, it speaks of it. It says this, The Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle, everybody say middle, of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Right there in the middle was these two trees. Notice where God put it. He put it right there where Adam and Eve literally would pass by it every single day. Each day, time and time again, it was right there for them. And then he goes on in verse 16. Listen to this. This is interesting. He says, and the Lord God commanded the man, you are free. Everybody say free. 
You are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will certainly die. Now, why would God do that? Why would God place that in front of us and say, hey, listen, you can do anything that you want. You can eat from anything you want, but you must not eat from this tree because if you do, you will surely die. Why would he do that? Listen, freedom is only possible when there's a choice. It's only possible for you and I to have freedom when we have a choice. You see, I want you to understand something up front in this conversation. God is not a tyrant. God is not a bully. He's, he, he, he wants to have a relationship with you. He wants to be in relationship with you. He doesn't want to manipulate you or control you. And many people... They think that God is, uh, God is all about controlling us. When they think about religion, when they think about God, when they think about uh, this thing called Christianity, they think that this is God's way of trying to control us. And, and he put the tree in the middle of the garden for a reason to show us, hey, listen, you have a choice. You have a choice between better or worse. In order to have a relationship with God, we had to also have a choice to walk away from God. We had to have that choice given to us so that in our free will, we could choose freedom. And listen, the challenge is we did decide to walk away. We decided as humanity in that moment to walk away from the goodness of God. We chose, and as a result, Sin entered the world. Sin came in and it took over and it enslaved every single one of us. Romans says there is none righteous, no, not one, that we were all because of a result of one man's choice, we were born into sin. We were born in bondage. And so we made the wrong choice. But it was the gift of choice that was brought back to us by Jesus Christ through his death, through his burial, in his resurrection from the cross. Romans 5, 19 speaks to this. It says this, For as by one man's disobedience, that's Adam, many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. So one choice of Adam made us sinners, then the second Adam, that's Jesus, comes, and all of a sudden now righteousness is restored to us. Here's the point. Here's where I'm driving this this morning. And I want you to get this in your spirit. That God's not a bully. He's not a tyrant. He's not an overlord. He's not a dictator over your life. He always gives us a choice. He gives us free will for a reason. And the journey, let me say this, write this down. The journey to better always starts with a choice. It always starts with with a choice. You know, I've recently in my life made a, a decision to journey towards better. Last year in the middle of the year, about June, I was convicted by the Holy Spirit that I was not making wise choices when it came to my health. That there was anxiety on me, there was stress on me, there was illness on me that God never intended me to live with. But because of the decisions I was making, I was choosing the tree of life and death rather than the, the grace of God to live under that. And so I made a choice. I said, you know what? 
I can control this today. I can get up off the couch and start exercising and making a difference in my life. And so I, I partnered with some people and I decided to take that journey on. And let me, can I just celebrate with you a minute? This morning, I am 26 pounds lighter than I started last year with. Would you just celebrate with me for I Making that choice, making headway. But we, listen, the journey to better always starts with a choice. In fact, as we prepare to embark on this journey, what I want to do is I want to look at three choices that every single one, one of us in this room will have to make and will continue to have to choose over the course of our life. And so if you're taking notes, uh, I, I want you to, you can follow along on lead.church. We got the digital notes there. Uh, you can follow along with us or take notes in your journals, uh, however you want to do that. But the first choice is this. Choice number one is the choice to follow Jesus and live our life his way. Can I just submit to you that that's the best choice that I've ever made in my life? That there's not a greater, better choice than I've made than that choice right there to submit my life to him, to choose Jesus and his will for my life. You know, Deuteronomy uh, chapter 30, one of my favorite verses, verse 19, it says this. It, it really talks about the choice that we have. It says this, it says, This day I call the heavens and the earth as witness against you that I have set before you, everybody say this, life and death, blessing and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live. Let's just say that verse together confidently this morning. Will you read it with me? This day I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses. I don't hear you, Lee Church. I want to hear you. Come on, we're going to start again. This day I call heavens and earth as witness against you that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live. Right there, God's saying, listen, I've placed a choice in front of you. You can choose life or death. You can choose blessing. You can choose curses, but I'm encouraging you. You have a choice in the matter. But I'm encouraging you that the better choice, the best choice, is for you to choose life. And he puts a blessing on that choice. He says, listen, when you choose this, not only will you live, but those around you will live as well. Your children will be blessed when you choose life. Your coworkers will be blessed when you choose life. Your, the, your extended family will be blessed when you choose life. I've set the decision in front of you. What are you going to choose? Jesus, in his own words, he says it this way in John 14, 6, a verse that we all know very well. It says, Jesus answered, he said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. The first decision, the first choice that we have to work out in order to live a better life is the choice to choose to follow Jesus and his will and his plan for our life. Let me submit this to you, that you will never be, never be all that God has created you to be apart from a relationship with him. It is impossible for you to be all that God's created you to be apart from a relationship with him. It just doesn't work. And I know that many of you in this room are searching, and can I, just, can I just save you a lot of time and a lot of heartache and a lot of pain? God has created you, and only God can fulfill the deepest longings of your heart. 
It's a relationship with him that is the fulfillment of everything that you are looking for in this life. Let me say this. Everything else is counterfeit. That's what the devil does the best. He, he, he gives us, provides us a counterfeit for the original which God created. God created and said, I am love. And the, and the devil comes in and says, here's lust. He always creates a counterfeit for what the father intended for us to choose. What are you going to choose today? Listen, if you want to be happy, if you want to be fulfilled, if you want to see the joy and the righteousness of the kingdom of God in your life, I promise you that God wants that for you even more than you want that for you. And you won't find your way. You won't find it any other way. But as you follow Jesus, that's the only way that you will discover true purpose and meaning and better in your life. So choice number one has to be to choose to follow Jesus and his way for your life. Secondly, again, taking notes, write this down, the choice to discover his vision for your life. I love that we're in the year 2020. In the year 2020, that's, that, that really goes to eyesight and vision, and I've seen it all over the internet already. People are saying, you know, are you envisioning a great 2020? That's great. Keep it up. I love it because I love the vision that that comes with it. Listen. Discover his vision in 2020 for your life. Because his vision, when you put Jesus first, let me say this. He wants to show you his plan for your life. He wants to show you his desire for your life. Not that your plan, not that your desires don't fit into that. Not that they don't matter. But let me say this. His are so much better and so much bigger than you can even hope, think, or ask. In fact, Isaiah 55, verse 8 and 9, it speaks to this. It says this, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. Aren't you glad for that? Aren't you glad that we serve a God that does not think like Josh Watson? Aren't you glad that we serve a God that does not think like me? Because lo and behold, if we did, let me tell you, let's just shut it down right now. I need a God that thinks way beyond the capacity of me to think. It goes on and says, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Listen, the vision and plan God has for you is so much bigger, so much better than your own plan for your life. Lean into him this year. Lean into him in 2020 and discover his vision for your life. John 10, 10, again, the words of Jesus, he says this, that a thief has come only to what? Steal and kill and destroy, yet I have come that they may have life. Who's, the, who's they? You, me. I have come that they may have life and have it, I love this, to the full. I'm not just, not just kind of a mediocre life, but I've come that you might have life to the full. Now, to the full, when you look up really what that means, this is what Jesus was saying. What Jesus was trying to communicate when he said, when they might have life to the full, or if you read in another version, it says abundantly. What he was saying on his list, yes, I want you to have eternal life. That is the reason I came, so that you could have eternity with me. Absolutely, I'm concerned about tomorrow. Yet, I'm concerned about today, too. I want you to have an abundant life right here, right now, in the circumstances of your life where you live now. Not just tomorrow. I want you to live life to the full. How many of you are ready to live life to the full in 2020? He wants that for you. 
He wants a full life for you, not just for eternity. This isn't just about fire insurance. This isn't about get out of hell free. This is about, listen, I've come that you might have life to the full right now in the season of life that you're in when you submit to my will and my plan. Because that's the kind of God that I am. I care about today. I care about where you are in your concerns and your worries and your frustrations, your joys. Your con- I'm concerned about all that as well. And I want to see you live life to the full. Choice number one, follow Jesus and live life his way. Choice number two, the choice to discover his vision for your life. And then the third choice, the final choice, is the choice to live a disciplined life. Now, don't all leave right now, okay? Because nobody likes the word disciplined. Let me tell you, in June, when I decided to start running, I did not like the word discipline, and I still don't like the word run. I'm, I, I, I wouldn't call myself a runner yet. I wouldn't even say that I love running. I've become tolerant of loving. What I do love is I love health more than I love not being healthy. I don't love running. I love being healthy. Come on, somebody. And so discipline, listen, this applies to your life, not just go run this afternoon. Discipline says, listen, I'm choosing something better over the current state and condition of where I am. Discipline gets you there. Discipline says, I'm not going to be able to pull this off. I'm not always going to have the, I feel like doing this. Still to this day, there's not a day that I wake up that says, Hmm, I want to go run six miles. I don't feel that, okay? I tolerate it. But I know the end result where it's taken me, the discipline to do it, gets me somewhere. Same thing spiritually in your life. The choice to live a disciplined life is so important. The root word for discipline, do you know what it is? It's disciple. Disciple is the root word for discipline. At Lead Church, we are in the process of making disciples, building leaders, and changing lives. It starts with disciple. It starts with discipline because, listen to me, you don't want to follow an undisciplined leader, and you won't see life change if there's not disciple. There's a reason that we put it in that order because it has to start with disciplines instilled in our life, in order to see the life change that we want. There's people, I'm not bragging on myself this morning, but there's now people that are reaching out to me because I've chosen to be disciplined in an area of my life, and they see the results that are now coming to me as a quote-unquote leader. Hey, how did you do this? That are now seeing life change for themselves. Discipline leads to leadership that leads to life change. And I want to encourage you that that can be your story as well. Listen, I think a lot of times we chalk up our failures as individuals as a result of personality or uh, giftings that we do or do not have. And the reality is, listen to me, most of us fail in any one given area of our life because of the lack of discipline. It all comes back to discipline. We know what to do. We just choose to sit on the couch and binge watch Netflix, right? We know what we need to do. We just don't have the discipline to do it. Let me say this to you in bringing this to a close. Can I just tell you that 90% of success is just showing up and staying the course and staying committed to the process? Do you realize that? That's 90% of it. Just show up. 
Why does your pastor and your leaders in this church constantly say, get to church, come on every week, get in church, come to small group? Why? Because 90% of success is just showing up and staying committed to the process. Well, pastor, I've tried. I, I, go, I went to Sunday morning and nothing changed in my life. You came one time. It's kind of like taking a vitamin and thinking you're going to wake up tomorrow morning and all of a sudden your worries are going to be gone. No, 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 no. It's the daily discipline, the weekly discipline. I don't see a change today, but I'm still putting it in me today. I don't see a change tomorrow, but I'm still putting it in me today. That is a spiritual discipline that we all need in our life. And when you commit to that, let me tell you, 90% of your challenge is just showing up and staying committed to the process that God has for you. You know how a baseball game's won? It's not won by grand slams. How's it won? It's one hit. It's one one getting on base. It's another hit. It's another getting on base. It's just one small play at a time, and then all of a sudden, it all works out for the grand slam. Some of us are standing back waiting for the grand slam in life to happen when God's saying, would you just commit to the process of discipline that I have in place for you? And when you see that, you'll look back 10 years from now, you'll look back 50 years from now, and you'll see the grand slams that I've created for you. It's the process of discipline. Listen, as we prepare to embark on this journey, I just want to give you two things that together I want you to do with me and as a church together as we prepare for this journey. The first one is this. is If you haven't already picked up this book, I want to encourage you to do this. This book was written by my good friend and pastor, Pastor Stephen Martin. He pastors Vintage Church in Harker Heights, Texas. He's one of the family pastors uh, in the family of churches that we run with. Great book. And this is what this whole series is designed about. Listen, there's, there's a journaling place in here. There's scripture in here for you to memorize and apply to your heart. Uh, every chapter we will be going through in this series. Also, you'll find this in your small group. Let me tell you this as well. What we're talking about for the next eight weeks is not just happening in this room. It's also happening in our kids' department. It's also happening in your small groups when you meet throughout the week. This is a vital piece of this. Please pick one of these up. Now, listen, we're selling them for $10, but we are not in the book selling club, okay? We are not Amazon.com. We just want to get this in your hand. We're not trying to make money off of you. We're just trying to cover the cost, okay? If you don't have $10, let me say this. Just get the book. Somebody else will have 20, it'll be taken care of. We're not trying to make money. We just want you to get this book because we want to see better for your life. And it's the, the roadmap that we're using along with the scripture. The secondly is I want to encourage you, listen, now is the time to take the discipline of getting in a small group. If you are not in a small group, if you are doing life alone, Can I encourage you in 2020, this week, the first full week of 2020, would you stop doing that and get in a small group and do life in community? Because I'm telling you, it is a difference maker. It is a difference maker. It will shape you. It will change you. And all of our conversation, I can't cover everything that's in this on a Sunday morning. 
But in the small group environment, then iron sharpens iron, and we will go deeper, further, and faster together if we commit as a body to do this. And you say, Pastor Josh, I can't meet during the times that the small groups are. Great. You know the other option that you have? Start your own. We're making it very easy for you. I'm giving you a video every week. I'm giving you the book. We're giving you small group curriculum so that you can walk. All you have to do is have an inviting spirit and say, would you have lunch with me. We're a small group. Yes, I'd love to. Great. Let's meet at Chili's on the third Sunday, whatever, whenever you want to meet. But would you do this? Because here again, discipline, half the battle for you, 90% of the battle is just staying disciplined and doing the things that we know to do. We're teaching this for a reason. Don't do life alone. Are you with me today? Are you receiving this today? So here, here's what I want to do. I want to pray for you now. Band, you can come up here. Give me a little Holy Spirit music if you want. And and I just want to pray for you. But this is a simple prayer. I just want to pray that in 2020, as we journey this season of better together, that God will do some amazing things in your heart and in your life and in your family. Remember, if you get better, Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19, if you get better, if you choose wisely, everyone else around you gets the benefit that as well. If you choose life, your marriage gets life, your children get life, your boss receives life. How much better would it be show up tomorrow morning and maybe speak life to your boss rather than get get naggy with them, huh? Maybe speak life to them and see if life comes back. Just want to encourage you. God's got better for you. God's got more for you. It requires just a few things. Number one, choose Jesus and his will for your life. Number two, follow his plan. Get his plan. Get his vision for your life and begin to walk that out. And number three, choose to live a disciplined life. Because I'm telling you, I have marks on me from doing this, and I have marks on me from not doing this. And I can tell you one's way better than the other. Amen? Anybody that's been around the block longer than a day, it's way better on this side of better. Can I pray for you this morning?